Hey, everybody, it's Tommy Canale, and welcome back to Before the Lights podcast, the show to find out how those in sports, music, and entertainment made their mark. Get ready. Joining me today is the first American to win the world champion pizza maker. He's known as the Michael Jordan of pizza throwing, a chef, and owner of multiple restaurants and concepts, a 13-time world pizza champion, master instructor at the International School of Pizza, a two-time Food Network gold medalist, an author of three books, and president of World Pizza Champions. He's the holder of multiple Guinness World Records, along with other numerous awards and titles. He's appeared on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, Good Morning America, Emerald, Rachel Ray, and International Television. A native of Fremont, California, please welcome to the show, Tony Gimignani. Tony, how are you today? Good. Thanks for having me. I want to start here. This caught my attention right away as a fellow Italian. I love, and I've never seen anybody use Luca Brasi in part of their email. Well, Godfather fan, you know, you know, it just, you got to love Luca, you know, when it comes to that. So yeah, no, it's funny back. And it's, and, I, and I'm still AOL. So you know how old I am when you see Luca Brasi, you know, <laughs> and, and that, that email address. So you, it's, it's, it's kind of uh, dating me a little bit, but yeah, always love Godfather, man. Yeah, me too. Started at, caught my attention right away. Before I go into your history, one question I have is, is pizza really simple or is it complicated? Simple is, uh, well, pizza is very, very complicated. You know, um, when you think about it, uh, depending on the style that you order and what you make, from Chicago style to Neapolitan to grandma to Sicilian to Roman, uh, really when you, you get into pizza in its entirety and, and you're looking at the baking aspect and the chemistry of the dough, uh, it, it can be hard, very difficult to understand, to make, and really to make it consistent, especially when you're working in 900 degree ovens, a thousand degree ovens or, or doughs that are 90% hydrated and they're super wet and they're sticky and tacky. So yeah, it, 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 it can be a challenge. It's a trade. It's an art. Do you know when pizza was first invented or started in this world? Well, pizza dates back to the Etruscans. It dates back to that flat bread that, you know, uh, that the Italians, that Greeks, that people would make, uh, especially while they're waiting for their bread to finish in their towns that they lived in, in their wood-fired ovens. A lot of times to kind of, while they're hanging out for that hour long, two hour long bread, they would make little flat discs of dough, put some anchovy, tomato, cheese, whatever inside that oven, eat it while they're waiting for their loaf of bread to finish, give it to the kids. So it dates back uh, a very, very long time. In the U.S., it dates back over 100 years since really past 1905 now, which that was a time that they said Lombardi's open, but he even actually went further than that on some of the, what the historians have pulled up to late 18, uh, around 1890, late 1894, 19, 1895. So it was in Naples before that, but even before that, people were still doing flat discs of bread with something on it. And you would you call it pizza? Yeah, I guess you would. <laughs> You grew up on an, on an apricot and cherry orchard. What did that teach you as a child that you've grown up with and still have values today? You know, it taught me a lot. You know, my grandpa, we live with our grandpa. He, he was a, I always say he was the hardest working man I ever knew. 
Um, you know, we had about 30, 35 acres in Fremont, you know, he woke up, uh, before the sun came up, he came in from work. He out, uh, you know, when the sun was coming down, he, you know, he, he ate out in a shed, his sharp cheese and drank his wine and, and, and he was out in the fields all day. And, and, and I used to do that. I used to pick cherries. We would dry apricots. We'd pick fava beans. Uh, you know, we, we, we had everything on the farm. So I did that up until I was about 18 years old. Uh, we farmed, you know, and, and my dad also, you know, was in the automotive business and he did other things, but we did live on a farm and we're around a lot of Italian farmers with about 150 acres and there would be different farms. So, I mean, honestly, back then you would have your BB gun and drive your motorcycle across acres and shoot anything you wanted. I mean, you know, you know, shoot cans, shoot squirrels. I mean, you did that growing up and I was used to that. You know, I, I, I was used to that land. I was used to that environment and we were used to fresh ingredients. You know, we wouldn't just go to the grocery store when we're out of tomatoes or out of bays or my mom was cooking that spaghetti sauce and I'd go grab an onion in the yard. That's a kind of, that's what I grew up with. So you attended Washington high school in Fremont, California. Were you an athlete at all? Or were you, you were an athlete? A little bit. Yeah. I played soccer. I was on the varsity soccer team. I played, man, I did track and field when I was a freshman. I played badminton, which a lot of guys in, in, in the industry, oh, you play badminton. <laughs> you know, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was one of those sports that you did in PE in class that, you know, uh, I, I like, so I was number one mixed doubles. I was a number one, uh, in that. So yeah, my dad was a soccer coach. Uh, you know, he played sports, you know, Bill Walsh was his coach uh, at Washington. A lot of people don't realize that Bill Walsh was actually a coach at Washington high school. My dad was a baseball player. He loved to play, not a professional baseball player, but played baseball, played so uh, basketball. Um, so, Honestly, uh, yeah, sports was a big part of our life. Did you take anything that you learned from sports then into the pizza business? I did. You know, uh, a lot of times when you play on a team, on organized uh, team where, where you had to be faster, you had to be better, you had to figure out how to win. Uh, a lot of those attributes, a lot of those things come out in, 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 in your team. It's, it's a team effort. And when you're on a line and it's six o'clock and your board's full and you need to kick it up a notch and be faster and, and get the product out and still win and be consistent. Uh, those are the kind of things. It's always a team effort. It, is, it isn't so much about individuality. So for me, watching my dad coach, uh, choosing a team and not having too many prima donnas on that team uh, is important. So, you know, being reprimanded, understanding that you're not telling somebody to do something to criticize them. It's, it's, it's really critiquing them and, and, and helping them and you're learning and growing that, that kind of player that understands uh, mentorship, you know, is important and valuable. And, and, and that goes with the world pizza champions team that goes in the restaurant uh, that goes from your front of the house, back of the house, bartender, bar back, dishwasher, runner. It, 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 it it's, it's a very much of a team effort. So the restaurant, most of the time we win, sometimes we lose. <laughs> sometimes it's one of those bad nights. Yep. We'll say, you know, thank you at the end of the night, but it's like, get yeah, grab this, you're pivoting, you're getting this. And it's bang, 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 go, go, go. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, when I interview 
an employee, I'll say, you know, uh, have you, have you, you ever played sports before? And I didn't play anything. And sometimes I'll say, yeah, I had a coach that was hard on me, man, but God, we, we were the best in the state. I mean, okay. I, I, I like that a little bit because, you know, you know, if, if I have to say, okay, we got to do this in the moment, I'm not being a jerk. I'm just, we're just trying to get there and, and finish and, 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 and win. So, yeah. I understand. I'm a former athletic director, coach myself and an athlete. So I, I, I follow what you're saying, Tony, when did and how, or did somebody, when did pizza acrobat become part of your life? And did somebody show you how to toss dough or did you just pick this up on your own? Yeah, that's a good question. It dates back to 1991. My brother opened up a pizzeria. He, he was in the middle of opening it up. I, I, I decided again out of high school, had no clue what I was going to do. A lot of my guys, friends went to college I was kind of in my hometown, still in Fremont. My brother found a place in Castro Valley, California. He said, Hey, why don't you do this with me? And, and he had a couple of guys that worked with him as he was, he was my older brother. So that worked with him in the pizza business. So everybody was kind of there helping my brother open. And I was there and there's these guys that could do some tricks with dough. And I'm watching these guys and they're pretty good. And they'll talk about a guy that was on Johnny Carson and that this guy was a great, his name was Barry O'Halloran and he was a pizza thrower and acrobat. He would do kind of like a Harlem Globetrotter does with a basketball, you know, cross the shoulder, do some cool stuff. So Harry, every day I was this pizzaiolo making pizzas every day. And, you know, you kind of toss it and catch it and say, okay, I can try and do this trick or, and you just constantly like every day what you're doing, it's, 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 it, it became this hobby slash sport, you know, that there, there was, uh, it, it was interesting. It was like, you know, there's dexterity involved. There's difficulty. You, you, you look at, uh, the endurance behind it. It's like, you, I kind of look at it as a sport, you know, you want to practice, uh, like you're practicing dribbling or juggling as much as you could and you count and, and try and do so many. And then you try to go through your legs and all of a sudden, it's this weird kind of thing. And if people could kind of see me now as I'm talking, it's this kind of, you know, Tai Chi kind of movement that you do. So I would want it to be better. There's this competitive edge. Your brother's older than you. You're always as a younger brother trying to be better, faster, want your dad to see, you know, recognize you and what you do. And there was this thing that uh, was in front of me and I learned it. I loved it. And I was doing it every day. And all of a sudden that sort of became my sport. Um, and later I ended up competing and, and, and winning some championships at it. Business a little bit too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'll bet. People wanted to come in and see, see what you were doing. How cool was it for you to toss dough with the Harlem Globetrotters? You know, over the years, I've done it a couple times now, a few times actually. And uh, it's awesome. You know, growing up, Curly and Metal Arc Lemon, those were kind of like, you know, as a kid for me, watching them, it was like, oh, my God. And you, I, back then, I'd be in the Oakland Stadium with your dad. And, and, and all of a sudden, now, we're in front of my pizza pizzeria in North Beach, and these guys are coming out, and they're doing their tricks. And, you know, f- funny thing is, is that they're spinning on their finger, and I'm spinning it on my hands. And uh, they have their nails are, uh, are long. I don't know if you know, the, the Harlem Globetrotters' nails are like, longer so they're sharp so they could spin it longer and i'm thinking i'm almost saying to myself because they're cheating these guys are like you know so that's how they do it okay so yeah it was great i got to go on the court at chase uh those guys are great and what they do and the monies they raise and how they travel around the world 
uh, it's amazing organization and just to be able to be with those guys and try to keep up with it's pretty cool. Yeah. What are some maybe odd places that people wouldn't think about that you've actually tossed dough at? A couple of them, you know, Thailand, I traveled with a bunch of Thai acrobats, uh, in the nineties that I tossed pizzas. Um, I was asked to go to Thailand, 1995, 96, 1996, I believe I was traveling through Thailand. That was pretty crazy from malls to kiosks to being on a show where nobody spoke English at all. Uh, it, it was almost like, uh, a movie in a way. Um, but, uh, those are interesting like things, you know, years ago, I couldn't say it, but now I can. I was at George Lucas's house. I couldn't say I, I his son, Jet, I uh, tossed pizzas and made pizzas for his, I believe it was his 15th birthday at the time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've kind of done pizzas with uh, anywhere from like meet Luther Vandross and Howie Mandel. And I shook his hand accidentally and he was like a germaphobe. Yeah. Like, I didn't know or. You know, Francis Ford Coppola's house and a guy hit me on the shoulder and said, hey, before you teach me how to throw up here with all these celebrities and we're doing this celebrity pizza toss, can you show me how to throw it? And it's Steve Young. And I'm like, oh, sh- I'm, I'm teaching Steve Young how to toss. He's like, so, you know, like I'm showing Joe Montana how to toss something almost, you know. So Steve Young to the left, he's like, okay, so do you do like this? I don't want to look like an idiot up there. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> okay, Steve. So you throw it up in the air and you catch it. So from Steve Young to, you know, to James Kahn, to Michael Douglas, uh, to Cheech Marin. I mean, there's been guys over the years to baseball players and even football players that I've, I've tossed pizzas with. So it's, it's been kind of interesting. Yeah. That, that's cool. <laughs> Tony, what was your aha moment to go? I want to learn everything about pizza. You know, there was a moment uh, I was uh, in the year 2000. I was on my honeymoon. Um, I started in 1991. So the year 2000, uh, I was a, what was I? I won my first uh, championships in Italy. So I was a four-time world pizza champion. Was younger then, thought I knew everything, kind of like as a young guy does in your career. Uh, was was on my honeymoon in June in Italy. We stopped in the Naples and uh, we had Neapolitan pizza, true pizza Napolitana. And I'm sitting here with my wife. Uh, we're at Trianon. I'm watching this pizza maker make pizzas and the other guys like smoking and hanging out like Naples, true Neapolitan. It was hot. Uh, and it was summer. This guy makes a pizza, puts it in this wood burning oven, gets it out in 60 seconds, lands it, comes to our table and I'm watching this guy sh- like from the left and I should be looking at my beautiful wife in front of me, you know, and it lands, she's eating it. This is good, huh? And I'm looking at this pizza and I'm saying, I, I don't know how to, how, to, how to make this, you know, I, I, how did that guy do it so fast? What was that slap on the, on the marble? Um, why is it so charred? And it was in 60 seconds. I, I it's charred, chewy, wet. It's delicious. Just, and I'm staring at it and my wife's like, just eat it. And then I'm like, I, I don't know how to do this. So here I was this pizza guy. I was this uh, guy that shouldn't have known everything. I, I was this, uh, uh, I, I traveled around the world and I knew how to make New York pizza. And I heard about the Detroit. I knew how to make California, but here was the pizza that started it all really in Naples. And, and I don't know how to make it. So 
I said to myself, I need to reteach myself. I, I want to really learn this craft. I have a slogan called respect the craft. It's tattooed on my hands. It's on my t-shirts and on my boxes. And when it came to that moment, I realized I have an epiphany saying, I'm going to retrain everything that I learned, not saying what I learned was incorrect. I just needed to understand how to be a more well-rounded uh, athlete. I needed to understand how to maybe not have to slam dunk all the time or just do a layup. I need to, you know, I, it was just, I just needed it. It just all happened. And, and that's when that moment I learned that I'm going to learn Neapolitan on my own. And I went back, I took a lot of steps back um, to really take many, many steps forward. How did you then, or was it difficult? Let me ask this first. Was it difficult for you to go from being known as a pizza tossing world champion to a master pizza maker? Yeah, it was extremely hard. So here I was my working at my brother's pizzeria. I was this five-time world pizza champion, this acrobat, Castro Valley. That's what they're known for. And how do you rec- get recognized for food? You know, I, I was, I was throwing on a stage once at the Alameda County fair, hundred and something degrees outside a Tuesday. Nobody was in the audience. Worst like Tuesday at two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> And this lady, Courtney Townsend, told me, you know, she saw me. I was sweating. I did this show. I made this acrobatic show. I made pizzas on the stage for these two ladies in her probably their 80s. And this guy that was sitting by himself, I mean, nobody was there. It was was almost like the loser time slot. And she said, you know, Tone, I I, I don't know if I really want to see you doing this at 50. You know, I, I don't think anybody wants to see it. It, it was kind of a nudge kind of, but, but she was telling me, I, you're really good at your food. You know, you, what you do, your food is incredible and you, you should work on that. And it was almost kind of like that slap in the face, but I got it. I understood it. So for me to say, you know, how do I not become this slam dunk champion that everybody knows about? How do you become that you know, Michael Jordan, that guy that can win, that can, can be an all-around player. And I, and I go back to Michael Jordan a lot because I respect him as a player. You know, how do, how do you do that? So what I did was I, I, I focused on a book. The uh, first book was called Pizza. One of the next competitions on the Food Network, which the one I won before that was the acrobatic one. The second gold medal was a, a cooking challenge that for me was a very, very pinnacle moment for me to to, to win, to be able to say, Hey, this guy can cook too. He beat New York, Ohio, South Carolina. So there was a lot of steps involved. And when I opened up Tony's 18 years about later after I was with my brother and I said, Oh, Tony's pizza, Napolitana, all these ovens, all these styles of pizza, and nobody's going to throw in this restaurant. No one's. And if somebody comes up, I'm going to be in the Neapolitan line and you don't really toss that pizza. I'm going to kind of just say, you know what, it's, 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 we don't do that right now. And I had to say kind of like, Hey, no more festivals, no more fairs, uh, no more tossing for a while. I need this critic, that blogger, that writer to come in and say, this food is great. And I, I really worked on that. I worked on competing in Naples and winning and they do everything switched to that. Um, there was a time too, that I got banned from, pizza throwing in Italy. Uh, I was a five time world champion. So a lot of people say, well, it was when you got banned, you know, you couldn't do acrobats anymore. So what did you do? I said, yeah, that was a part of it. But at the same time, it was probably the best 
thing that ever happened to me. I, I was in my prime. I was this guy like saying, Oh, I'm going to go out. I want to win another world title. And then Italy said, you know what? You're not going to do anything else here, but lose. So why don't you become a judge? So a lot of things in those moments of, um, I could have regressed. I could have went backwards and said, Oh man, but I did. And I, I used it. Usually I get pushed back. I'll come back twice as hard. And, uh, those kind of things in life, uh, you know, you have that, you want to win. Uh, so I found another area for me to win in and try. So you travel the world for 16 years to learn different styles. If you would elaborate on that experience of going all over the place and how it helped you build your brand. Yeah, it's a good question. So, so, so over the years I was this acrobat. So back then I would send in, in videotapes, go to, you know, mailbox, et cetera, shoot the VHS in the mail. This is who I do. This is what I am. Write letters. There was no emails back then. I mean, you always hear those stories about that. I did it a lot. I mean, art at mailbox, et cetera. I would send stuff out to anybody. So here I was doing Italian festivals. I worked for Disney. I tossed pizzas for Wolfgang Puck. I tossed pizzas in London. I, I did all these pizza tossing things from Fargo to Florida. I, I did things. So when I was there, I would, if I was in St. Louis, I would try St. Louis pizza. I was doing something in Detroit. I heard about Detroit pizza and I tried that. So all of a sudden I had all these trips and I met a lot of great people and I, you know, in Baton Rouge, they were putting banana peppers on pizzas. And all of a sudden, there wasn't just Google it. There wasn't just, oh, I'm going to see what this is about. I mean, I was there in the trenches learning in kitchens. And I'd say, ah, oh, bring it back to Paisano's. That was my brother's restaurant. Test it out. Or I saw these tomatoes, which I've never seen before. And you couldn't go on Amazon back there and find it. But there was all this knowledge from, from, from all these trips and when Tony's open and when I opened Tony's, I said, you know, I'm going to do multiple ovens, multiple styles, man. I had that pizza there and I loved it. And, 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 and really, and I would say up until about maybe six years ago, pizza men were not like that. Pizza operators were only like, Oh, I make New York. That's what I do. I make Chicago. New York sucks. That's what I do. Nobody did grandma, Detroit, Roman, Sicilian, Nobody did all that. And so Tony's was a very, very, a, a concept that nobody thought could ever work because how do you have multiple ovens? How do you have multiple styles? How do you know how to do this? Uh, pre Google it and say, Oh, that's how you do it. And that, it kind of bothers me a little bit. I say that a lot because the experiences are so important. Knowing what it feels like in Detroit or in Naples or getting a slice in Rome and they're weighing it out and they're wrapping it. There's, there's so much beyond this, what's on your phone right here and you're able to look at it. And, and, and those are the kind of things that uh, for me are important. Uh, and there's a passion and love there, not just, hey, I'm going to figure out how to make money. This is a cool Instagram photo. I'm going to learn how to make it and then just launch a concept that, that's not my style. So those years are so important. Um, those early years of my career to, to, to learn something that's authentic. Uh, and, and for me, that's important. You talked about all the different styles, New York, Chicago, Detroit, there's new Haven, and you brought up Neapolitan. What is the true style of that pizza being? And you are the official U.S. Ambassador of Neapolitan Pizza by the city of Naples, which only three people in the world have that title. 
Yeah, you know, Neapolitan's different. Um, some people get it, some people don't. Neapolitan is cooked typically in a 900-degree oven for 90 seconds or under. Your dough is about 8.5 ounces, 220 grams. Your dough is stretched out by hand. It's a San Marzano tomato sauce. For me, I de-seed it. So it's 100% San Marzano's, your double zero flour, which is the type of meal that's really refined. Um, traditionally come as a Neapolitan flour. Um, when it comes to that dough, it's about 12 inches. Uh, fresh mozzarella, mozzarella di bufala is used on it, oil, sea salt. It's like that pizza margarita that's the simplest pizza, the most famous pizza in the world to make, but yet it's the hardest pizza to make. And sometimes the simplest things in life are the hardest things to do. So, you know, when it comes to that pizza, it's it, every bite takes you to a journey, I always say. And that journey could be the sweetness of the basil or the slight acidity and sweetness and that balance of the tomato sauce. And then that mozzarella cheese that's wet. It's a pizza that doesn't hold well for delivery. It should be eaten in front of you. And it's soft. It's pillow-like in texture. And, and, and if you're thinking of that New York thin, crispy, crispy and charred are two different things. Charred is a pizza that's cooked very, very fast and still is soft and delicate. So that style of pizza to make is, is extremely hard. You know, I certify chefs every year in Neapolitan pizza. These are pizza makers, chefs, you know, people, hobbyists. And they come in and say, I want to do Neapolitan. And they're in front of that wood-fired oven that's just 900 degrees. And you're in it for 12 hours. And it's blazing. And you're sweating. And you're a mess. And a lot of people say, I can't do this. <laughs> this is too hard. I don't want to do it. And they end up being neo-Neapolitan. And that 900 degrees became 700 degrees. Then it became 600. And it's a gas assist. And they're just selling, you know, pizza out of the you know, airport that you see airport pizza. So it's like, you know, it, it, it's, it's a trade. It's hard. It, it's funny. It's respected in Italy. It, when I won the cup in Naples, um, I'll never forget it. I got this cup. It was the biggest thing that I ever won. I'm not going to put it on. I'm, I'm going to carry it on. Like literally I'm holding this and it would go through uh, the security and uh, the, the guy, security guys would look at this trophy and be, Oh, the uh, campionato mondiale della pizza. Oh, primo. Oh, number one. Oh, wow. Oh, like shake your hand. Uh, pizzaiolo. You know, if you, if you're this Domino's guy in the U S and you're going in, they look at us. Oh man, that's funny. You've got a pizza competition. What the hell is that? <laughs> what a joke. Like, and, and then all of a sudden and, and the guys are shaking my hand, the security guys, it's, 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 it's very, it's a very well-respected trade in Italy, especially in Naples. So you look at it much differently than you do in the U S where they just think it's commercialized and it's just, it's, it's, it's so different. It, it's changed here, but um, it's still much different there. Do you have a favorite style yourself that you prefer to eat? Kind of like asking a dad who's his favorite son, you know, you know, you <laughs> want to say it, but you never would. Uh, <laughs> so when it, um, you know, right now I'm loving Detroit's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm loving my coal fire pizzas. Uh, New Haven style like pizza. So yeah, those two right now are kind of, you know, probably the pizza I had yesterday. That's what I'm thinking about. So <laughs> yeah. You started the world pizza champions in 2005. It has over 60 members. How does one become a member of that organization? 
So years ago, I started the U.S. pizza team with a, uh, a group called PMQ Magazine. And before all the teams were even here, um, and it's like you're laughing, there's pizza team. So here I was, this guy in the U.S. It was the year 2000. Italy had the world championships. Italy said, we're going to invite uh, the best guys from U.S. and from Canada, and we're going to have them compete in Italy. So, and the U.S. in Vegas had their biggest competitions, but Italy kept it kind of quiet. So I had a free ride, year 2000. We go there, we call it the dream team. I'm with a guy named Danny Wolf. He was uh, Reagan's maybe ex, uh, he had a pizza place that was Reagan's ex-chef. A guy from Canada, Dino Ciccone, he's a pizza maker. And here I'm this acrobat. So we call it the dream team. We go to Italy and I'm in Italy and I see all these teams. There's Team Rome, Team Milano, Team Brazil, Team China. And I'm like, wow, there's these teams and they have gear on and Adidas and they got Nike and the guys are like throwing it. And it's like, this is like a sport. I mean, it's like going to the Olympics. So we're there and Steve Green, PMQ, we get together. Uh, he was ahead of the magazine. We said, you know, we should start the U.S. pizza team. <laughs> Started the U.S. pizza team. I was the coach. I ended up being banned in, in 2001, won it. Coach, found all these guys. <clears throat> started that team, started getting guys. And, 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 and for me, it was always about the independent operator that needed to get publicity. My brother and I had a pizzeria. We're in a small town. We didn't get a lot of publicity. And all of a sudden, I'm winning these championships and getting on Leto, Good Morning America, front page of the paper. And it wasn't a, you know, $20 million ad for 60 seconds during the Super Bowl. It was real great, you know, interest, great content. So for me, it was always about, hey, helping the little man. And the U.S. team started getting dominoes and different people in it. So I kind of went and said, you know what, I'm going to start my own team. I'm going to get the world pizza champion. I'll get bigger sponsors, more sponsors at the time. And I said, let's get Carlucci, Shepard, all these guys, let's get them together. And these guys have world titles and let's really do it for the independent operator. So this could be a 60 year old baker to a 19 year old acrobat. It's, it's very well-rounded and diverse, not just nationally, but internationally. And, you know, if you go to worldpizzachampions.com, you'll see, pretty much some of the best guys, guys that have written books, guys that had multi-units, but they're, they're all independent operators. It started maybe with one or two. Some guys have 30 now. I mean, they're almost too big to be on the team, but um, you know, women in pizza, if you look at the women in pizza, we have, you know, from Nicole, um, uh, Laura, Audrey Sherman, that they are some of the best women pizza makers in the industry they're on the team. I mean, we, we, we have like a, I mean, when you think of the A team, uh, when we walk into a competition or you're in Vegas expo, it's like, if you're wearing this jacket and it's a WPC on it, you're pretty damn good. <laughs> so, so I, 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 I headhunt a lot of these guys. I mean, you look at Anthony Scardino, who's making pizzas in Chicago. You're looking at Derek Sanchez in Texas. That guy's a three time world champion. That guy makes better pizza than anybody. I mean, if you look at it, it's, it's pretty awesome. You were the first and only triple crown winner at the International Pizza Championship held in Lecce, Italy. You won three first place titles in one competition. My question is, 
How are you received in Italy as just clean and slate over there as an American? You know, at the beginning, when we walked into the year 2000, they heard about me. I went against guys I've never seen, almost everybody. Um, there was a lot of like, you know, shit talk, get out. You know, you don't even belong here. You're too fast. You'll never be good. You should go home now. Like any sport, uh, in competition, um, the U S was never respected. Um, I'm from the U S I represent the U S they were never respected. So to win, there's a love, hate. um, I'm Italian, but you know, there's still, you know, you're not real Italian. You weren't born here. My family comes from Luca or Lucchese. And, um, it's, it's just interesting. Um, over the years now, I have a lot more friends there than I did before going in as this guy that just won from winning in Naples and baking from winning in acrobatics in Italy. There, there was a, a very much of a hatred there. Um, but I've brought guys there now and women. Laura's won titles there, acrobats like Justin Wadstein. Guys have won there. We, we're very, very much respected now. But when you go into a cooking competition there, um, the technique in Italy is important. How clean you are, how you work your peel, how you use your large peel going in, your palino taking it out, how you land it on your plate, how you explain it. There's so much more involved into saying, hey, I'm going to make this meat potato pizza and I'm from Ohio and they're going to love it. It's not even about that. It's way beyond that digestibility. How long did you mature your dough? What flour strength did you use? Those are the kind of things that when we went to Italy, we didn't know any of that. And I didn't. So we learned that. And now any competitors that come from the U.S., I would say, 80% of them know what to say, how to explain it, where they're not lying. And the judges will know you're lying, <laughs> which has happened before. And they're not bringing in some frozen parbake and cutting up a piece of paper and putting beef on it and some nasty, it doesn't work like that. It's, 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 and, and there's been guys that have represented the U S that I've seen and saying, Oh my God, what's he doing? And all these Italians are looking at them like, what is this? A parbake? What? Like picking it up and like, they're laughing at Italian speaking it. It's been a lot different. Knowing how to work in an oven um, is very important. Uh, so you have guys back in the day that would crank it up really high. The, the judge, because the American was coming and he doesn't know how to work an electric oven, an Italian electric oven. And then they're burning their pizza and they're laughing at them because uh, they're just like, so there's, there's, there's a lot of uh, foul play involved when it comes to it. So just like any other sport, <laughs> if you can find an advantage in a loop, you're going to use it. Totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Tony, you have many restaurants and concepts around was your initial idea to own multiple restaurants or you just wanted to get one going and see how it grew? That's a good question. You know, you always want one. That's the most important thing. And then you get one and you're like, ah, I want to get two. I need to get another one. And um, things kind of fell into place. You know, it's interesting. So, you know, Tony's opened up right away. I knew there was growth next to me was a deli. I wanted to expand do a slice concept next to it everything they hated about Tony's uh, from anywhere from long wait. I don't want to sit down convenience, you know, 
you know, having a slice and going back to the office. I didn't have that at a full service restaurant. I didn't have that to go in, in delivery. So six, seven months in, I said, I, I need to buy the guy out next to me. I got to get this place. So there was a progression there that evolved, the evolution. And then, of course, you're like, okay, how do I do a Chicago concept that may take 25, 30 minutes to cook? I don't want to screw up my operations. Maybe I should do a dedicated restaurant that had, uh, you know, multiple styles, like deep dish stuffed, um, cast iron skillet. I knew how to do all that and add cracker thin to it. So why don't I open up another place? And then all of a sudden, in the middle of that, you get, you know, a good name in San Francisco. And there's this casino that says, hey, do you want to open up a place? There's the San Francisco Giants that say, hey, we want to have great pizza in our ballpark. We've lacked that coming together and making, you know, dough in a ballpark. And, you know, I'm a kid that went to a ballpark a lot. A's, Giants growing up. You'd always get the peanuts and hot dogs. Everything else sucked. You know, there was nothing else good. So everything changed when it came to the ballparks and and, and ballparks, you know, it's what's what's sad is nobody's watching baseball anymore. They're just there to eat and drink and they're walking around the ballparks and they're, it's, it's sad. So when it came to that, we would get um, a couple of guys, Chef T and uh, Bill Greathouse would say, you know, I'm the concession king and, 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 and when we bring in a beef or we bring in a, this, we, we bring it in. So how do we make the best pizza in our ballpark? And if you look at the best food in the ballparks, it's uh, Seattle and San Francisco. Those are the two, the Mariners. And they're both operated by the same group. So when we're able to make the dough there and have a starter in the ballpark, like uh, you do in bread, no bread, getting uh, guys to hand stretch it there, for me as this perfectionist and saying, Hey, I need these ovens, these mixers and stuff. So we're able to make, you know, quality food in a ballpark, not just some frozen pizza that would be on a conveyor belt. And then all of a sudden you have the 49ers knocking on your door, the Raiders, you have the warriors that want to do something different. And it's, it's just evolution of there's been, there was a lot of opportunity and I took it. Um, and I was able to really, uh, we were able to really bring great food to uh, these arenas and ballparks. And then it expanded beyond that. So do I ever wish I still had one? Do I wake up in the morning and I look at my phone and I have 30 text messages and everything's messed up and the plumbing's <laughs> screwed up and this guy's not coming into work? Yeah, it happens. And a long time ago, a VP of a company told me, you know, you may just want to have one one day. And I say, yeah, I definitely want to have one, but maybe one day I'll get more and stuff. He's like, nah, I think one day you're going to wake up and say, man, it was nice just to have one. And yeah, there are days I do wake up and say, oh man, this is crazy. And then there's other days it's cool and great, but yeah, it's, it's tough. Uh, hands down. And I've said this to people that know me here in Vegas, pizza rock is the place to go in Vegas. That place is awesome. You got to get the uh, the Italian fries. I'm a I'm a huge fan. The Frank Needy and the tomato pie for me. It's you can do that all day long. Thank you. You know, you know, Vegas was an interesting market when 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 we had Sacramento Pizza Rock. The group that owned that area said, "Hey, we have a place in Vegas, uh, downtown Vegas, that's on a corner, and it's being across from uh, Lady Luck, and that's going to be the Grand, and we'd love you to look at it." So. We flew down, George and I looked at that location and it's not Fremont Street. 
it's, you know, a block down, or right. straight down, you know, a block down. And we looked at it. That corner was vacant for 25 to 30 years. It was a place called Celebrities or something at one time. We walked into it. It was just concrete, nothing in it. Uh, they said there's a place called the Mom Museum that's going to open up. Hogs and Heifers has been here forever. George's is right here. They're yep. around. But we think this area is going to be great. And Tony Shea, a guy that is uh, is probably going to open up a place called Zappos around here. And it's going to be a big deal. George and I said, well, yeah, we, we can do this. We like this area. You know, we did it in Sacramento at that time. And we can do it here. So, you know, Pizza Rock, it's, it's nightclub meets pizza. You know, when you look at it, George Carpati, Frank Finelli, that group, Trevor Hewitt came from the nightclub world. But Pizza Rock is nightlife energy meets his, meets artisan pizza. So we saw Vegas, and I thought there could be room to grow in Vegas. I thought that I would come to Vegas all the time, every year, multiple times. And I always say, you know, the pizza in Vegas, there's not a lot of good places at the time. And at the time, there wasn't. So um, and there's great places. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big Metro fan. Uh, Metro pizza is awesome. I love John and them. Yep. And it is good. They're doing, but there, there's not a lot, especially downtown. There was no good pizza. I mean, in Fremont area, there was nothing. Nobody would touch it. It was the like worst in boardwalk. Pizza, yeah. It was really. horrible. Yeah. So we need, you know, big TVs watching the game, multiple styles, you know, great bar, great atmosphere, high ceilings, truck. I mean, and we had a slice house in the front and you look at what we did at GVR with the Fertitas and really doing something pretty cool there. We really wanted to bring pizza to another level. So a lot of guys, when we went into Vegas, oh, so what do you think about this one? I mean, honestly, when you look at what we do, we do Sicilian, Roman, New York style. I mean, pick every favorite place you like in the U.S., bring them all together in one, have a pretty damn awesome cocktail and beer program and be able to have it to go. It's like, yeah, this guy's doing this and that guy's doing that, but it, it, it's different. Pizza Rock's kind of on another level, and and there's there's we can do volume there. I mean, and and at times uh, even pre-COVID, I mean that that downtown store is a mo- monster, monster place. And um, I love Vegas, man. I have a good time. It's 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 always good. It's just hard to be in a casino and literally have to walk to the restaurant <laughs> and not have to you know, roll some dice or have a cocktail, you know, that was the thing that was the hardest thing. Making the pizza was great. That was easy. It was just like trying to not party. <laughs> that was the hardest thing. For my listeners, if you come to Vegas, you can go to Green Valley Ranch. If you stay there, Pizza Rock is located there. And if you're downtown Fremont Street and you are at the stage that's between the D and the Four Queens and you go opposite the stage straight down one block, you'll see Pizza Rock on the corner I highly recommend you go check this out. For the Raiders too, of course, we've, uh, we have uh, three in the Raiders that uh, were in that stadium. So hopefully next year you'll be able to see this in there. I, I toured it recently. Uh, and it's pretty awesome actually. So I'm jealous. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting in there and taking a look at that place. For those at home that are making pizza at home that don't have the professional ovens, you know, aren't big making dough, what kind of tips can you give the home cook to make a, a solid pizza at home? A lot of tips. So when you're making pizza at home, just don't grab any flour. Sometimes we're grabbing out of our cupboards or uh, the all-purpose flour that we make our cookies and cakes with. Now, grab a high-gluten, high-protein flour. You can go online and look for anything 13% or higher. That cooks in a 500-degree oven extremely well. 
add a browning agent, honey, powdered malt, um, a uh, sugar you can add to your dough recipe that helps caramelize the dough. When you have, when you're able to cook on a surface, a pizza stone or a pizza steel, if you go to bakingsteels.com, uh, those baking steels work, work out great. They get really hot. They're a square like a stone and you're able to cook on them just like you would in a cast iron, but they get extremely hot. Instead of investing in one of those, invest in two of them. So you have your racks in your oven, you have one on your lower rack and you have one on your second rack to the highest. So put two steels, put two stones or a steel and a stone on each one. Pre your oven to 500 degrees for about 45 minutes. Stretch out your dough. When you dust your dough that you made the day before, I always recommend not the day of because it'll be better flavor, more digestible. When it comes to that, dust it in flour and semolina. Semolina will help it slide off that pizza peel, that board that you're trying to get into your oven. Sauce, cheese it, put your ingredients on. Start it on your top deck. Cook it for about halfway, which is about five minutes. Take it off, turn it, turn it, uh, what, uh, in, around it halfway, put it on your bottom, uh, surface by having two surfaces in your oven, it'll make a much crispier cut crust, better bake. Sometimes people say my pizza's soggy and remember your finishing ingredients. When it comes to your pizza, your finishing ingredients are so important. So prosciutto, arugula, feta, got jalapeno peppers, uh, Parmigiano Reggiano, goat cheese, all those things can go on after the pizza. Your raw sausage can go on before or your pepperoni. So remember, those are the kind of things that more you put more ingredients on after the bake than before. Hence, you have a stronger, a much better looking pizza. So those are some tips for you. And if you want some fantastic recipes, get Tony's book, The Pizza Bible. I'll put a link in the show notes to it. I have it. I'm telling you, you can go endless in there on ideas and different types of pizza you can make in that thing. That thing's really good. Thank you very much. Yeah, that, that, that is the Bible. I've, I've sold tons of them, well over a hundred thousand copies of that. So it's, that's been a great book, especially during COVID the, the books have spiked up tremendously. So that book's been out for a few years and mm-hmm. uh, COVID hasn't been good to all of us, but it's definitely been good to the authors in the, in the book world. So, oh, that's been great. Tony, how can my listeners connect with you? I think the best way would be to TonyGimignani.com, T-O-N-Y-G-E-M-I-G-N-A-N-I. If you're interested in books, you're interested to see what I'm doing, my blog, just see the restaurants I have. If you go to that, TonyGimignani.com, you'll see a lot of what's going on, what's new. And uh, if you need to get a hold of me, you can always email me through that site. Tony, thanks for taking some time and being on my show. This has been fun talking with you, learning about your career and uh, making me hungry for more pizza. (laughs) Thanks, but I'm glad I'm on. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. For show notes, go to my website, beforethelightspod.com. Click on episodes. All the show notes and links will be there. You can follow me on Instagram at Before the Lights Podcast. If you'd like to be a member of the Before the Lights crew, go to patreon.com slash before the lights. You can get the extra five, five extra minutes of every episode that I do, plus a monthly Zoom call with me. Thank you for listening to Before the Lights. I'm Tommy Canale. And until next time, everybody, a salute, a chin chin.